0: Listening to Cooper Talk. Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. I got to tell you something, people. Uh, Last Thursday, Joanne's mom called and asked us if we wanted to go to the beach for the weekend on a house right on the beach. So I said, "Of course, I want to go." And plus, you know me, if it's free, I'm there. But I haven't been to the Jersey Shore in like two years. I know a lot of people got disillusion because they saw the show on MTV, but it's so different, and it was so relaxing, and people are so nice, and everything moves slow, and if you're ever in the area, do me a favor, go to the beach down here. Anyway, we have a great show today. We have a, um, a musician who was a groundbreaker in her first band. She has a great new album coming out with another Pretty much groundbreaker, her and Bree Darling. And she's been an actor. And what I'm gonna ask her first about is she's a wood carver. And my guest is Cherie Curry. How you doing, Sheree? Hey Cooper,
1: thanks for having
0: me. Now I gotta tell you, I was I was doing my research and I found a video of you. With this dog that you you I guess you use a chainsaw to cut and it's it's a big ass dog and you're going to paint it and it, you showed a picture of the dog and it looked just like it. How did you get into chainsaw wood carving? Because I've never met anybody who's done that.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it was kind of a fluke. Uh, I was a I was a relief carver at the time. I started out as a sketch artist. I started painting, and then the next the next. Uh, step for me was to carve. So I, I was doing relief carving, which is two-dimensional carving, on tabletops, wall hangings, that kind of thing, and staining and painting them, and I just happened to be going to Malibu, and I was on Canaan Dune Road, and, and passed a couple of guys chainsaw carving at the side of the road at the Malibu Mountain Gallery, and I could not get it out of my head. So every morning that voice would say, you gotta go back, every night, you gotta go back. So I did go back a couple weeks later with some of my artwork. And I walked into the gallery, and I saw these beautiful mermaids and dolphins and seals, and of course the bears and raccoons. And and I just this voice just said, "You can do this." So I talked to the uh, owner, Rio. Dijonet is his name, and um, he saw my artwork, and and he said that he would take me on uh, and uh, teach me how to carve. But the thing is, is I mean, he. Show me how to not kill myself with the saw, but otherwise you've got to have the vision and because it's not as easy as people think. But I've been doing it now; it's pushing 19 years.
0: Oh, I don't. I don't think it's easy. I mean, I, I'm I'm fascinated because you know my friend he had to cut down a tree in his backyard and I, he was like, "Do you want to help?" And I'm like, "No, man. I I, I don't suck at that." I think it's a fascinating uh, talent, and it's just I mean, how do you? The 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 dog I saw was so. It was so good. I mean, it must be so hard to use that big thing, that big chainsaw, to get that fine detail. Well, I've
1: got a bunch of different size saws. Um, The smallest one is the one that I use to detail, but I also use a Dremel tool and sanders as well uh, to get really the eyelids and, and, you know, the nose and, you know, the fine, fine detail. But it is about 90. 8% Eight percent chainsaw, and then just a the little fine stuff that I do otherwise. But it took me a long time to um, to trust myself uh, to do detail work. But you know, when you when you've been doing it as long as I have, it's uh, it's just second nature to
0: me now. Well, you've also been playing music for a long time, and um, I got to ask you. I want to find out more about when you were with the the Runaways, but. I, your new your new album's coming out. I still call them albums, and it's called The Motivator, and it's with um, Bree Darling, who was a seventies icon and drumming for Fanny. How did you guys meet, and how did you decide to come to this collaboration? Because I heard you guys didn't meet till like a few years ago.
1: Yeah, and by the way, I call them albums too. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was asked to guest uh, on their Fanny Walks the Earth album. And a lot of girls from the Go-Go's, the Bangles, a lot of, of course, the girls from Fanny. Uh, any gal that had ever made a splash in the business was uh, was there at this studio, Clear Clearwater Studio, Clear Lake Studio, I'm sorry, in Burbank. And I had listened to the record beforehand, and I just fell in love with Bree's voice. I just thought, and her songwriting, I thought she was just fantastic. And... And you know what? I always voice that. If I, if I meet someone that I just absolutely think is, is amazing, I tell them so. I think pe- more people need to do that, especially women. But uh, we just hit it off, and I kind of stepped out a little bit doing the background vocals with all the girls, and, and I guess I got, I got noticed by her husband, Dave Darling, who is a six-time Grammy-nominated uh, producer, rightfully so he should get a Grammy he's so talented and uh they asked me to go in privately to another studio and do a little bit more work which I did and that's when Dave said you know we we're gonna make a record together one day and I was like yeah sure (laughs) but next thing I knew uh they had me come into their studio to do um uh a Rolling Stones tune and um like a take or two, I was done, and and then Bree and I started talking about continuing this. And the thing is, is that I was I was my house was going up for sale. I was in escrow for some land up north. I was leaving this business. I mean, gone. Build a couple cabins and carve, you know, and enjoy my life. And nothing, nothing could have brought me back to this business, but Bree, darling, and her husband, because I just was uh, so impressed with the talent that this duo has, and I just loved Brie. We just became really great friends, and uh, we just had a great time making this record. Easiest record I've ever made.
0: Well, I know on the record, I believe you do nine covers, but you do some originals. How do you choose what cover you're going to do? Because. I mean, you're, you're a musician, and I love music. There's so many so many great songs out there, just so much great music. And to narrow it down, and also, when you do a cover, you're sort of paying tribute to that person, even though you want to do it in your own style. How did you go through the, the, the songs you guys were going to play, and did you both have to agree on them? Oh, wow. Well, yeah, um, I think that there was about 40.
1: Uh, that uh, the three of us had thrown into the hat, including Kirk, who is the president of Blue Alon Records. And uh, it was tough because, of course, we didn't want to sound like some karaoke uh, album. You know, it had to be different. And, you know, so we whittled it down with the, with the, the four of us, really, uh, with Kirk and, and David and Bree and myself. Uh, It was hard, because we had to let go of a lot of songs that we really loved as well. But knowing what Dave could do with them, just when you listen to The Motivator, which to me is just absolutely brilliantly done and produced by Dave Darling, uh, and you listen to the original, it's uh, a big difference, and in a very good way. And so, you know, we had to depend on Dave's uh, vision because he was the he was the arranger and producer, and um, and some of the songs, even like uh, "Give Me Some Truth," Lennon's "Give Me Some Truth," I wasn't sold. I never even heard that song to be honest with you before. And then to hear his take on the music and and the arrangement and Breeze basically scratch vocal on it, I just I, I just said, "Wow, this is done. <laughs> it's <was> great." <laughs> and uh, you know. Um, I'm so happy with each and every one of those uh, remakes because they're special. There's something different about them. Um, I, of course, uh, air—not uh, air. I'm sorry. Uh, he ain't heavy. He's my brother, uh, which I threw in the hat because my twin sister Marie had wanted me to record that song ever since I did "Air That I Breathe" on on the Blackheart record from the Hollies. And uh, but I kept hearing this really cool message that Brie would sing, uh, I, you know, which I wrote uh, for our Homeless Vets, and it just worked beautifully in that song. So, you know, each song has something uniquely special about it, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of this record. Honestly, I am.
0: Now, you, you know, you love her voice. She loves your voice. How is it when you sing together, do you have to really... Is it just natural to sing it together? Or do you have to work on one not overpowering the other?
1: Oh, no. Well, you know, it's so funny. Speaking of the motivator, David decided that I was going to sing that song. And Brie, since they live together and they've got a studio there, she would always go in to lay down a scratch vocal on the song. But Dave was sure that uh, this was a song for me to do. Um, that was kind of basically you know, the idea was that I would back her, she would do some songs lead, and she would back me when I did leads, maybe one, maybe one, maybe two duets, but I heard, I heard that as a complete duet, David argued with me about it, but I said, just, just put in her scratch in that second verse, and then us singing together in the choruses, and, and he did, and he sat back, and he goes, oh, this is great and Brie is such a team player because she expected to come in just to listen to my lead throughout the song. And all oh, the look on her face, when she came in on that second verse was just priceless. And that started the momentum of us doing the majority of all the songs as a duet, because our voices blend greatly together. And the, what Brie goes for is a little different from what I go for as far as harmonies, uh, so on and so forth. And, uh, we just sound great together, and that was my point, is that, you know, we are better together than, than we are uh, not. So that, that kind of set the pace for the record being mainly duets.
0: Now, how did you find the, the people to back, back up the play in the band? I mean, you know, it's so different now how studios are compared to, you know, years ago. But how did you find the musicians? And when you go on tour, if you do, how will you find the musicians?
1: You know, uh, Dave played the majority of the music. Of course, Brie played drums, her sister played drums. But I brought in Dave Schultz, who is just a phenomenal performer, amazing keyboard player, has worked and is currently going to go on tour in August with Berlin. He's toured with the Goo Goo Dolls. He and I are very good friends and amazing singer as well. And I brought him in um, and blew Dave's mind. And, and he, he's been working constantly with all the other albums that Dave Darling is doing at the moment. And we asked Dave Schultz to be our band leader. So uh, we are now in the process of putting together a band um, while Dave Schultz is on tour with Berlin and uh, getting ready to, to hit the road in the fall.
0: Now, when's the last time you were on the road?
1: I toured. I toured a lot. Last last
0: tour I did was of Australia. I think that was three years ago. Now has the has um, it? I was gonna say has it changed because it's so funny. I've noticed like I go to a lot of concerts, and it used to be people held up a lighter. Now they hold up the phone, you know, with the app of the lighter. And it's just not the same to me. But how well, are they... they actually just hold up their cell phones and, and record the show. Right, that's the worst. I <laughs> yeah, always, right. I always, I always hate that because it's always some person in front of me recording the show, and you know, there never be quality recording.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, some that's why they ban a lot of people from bringing their phones into these things. People that want to keep control of uh, that. To me, I don't care. Uh, you know what? It's Unfortunately, we have to kind of bend with the times here, and everyone has iPhones, and everyone records, and it just happens to be uh, what, you know, daily life for these younger folks, and some older folks, too, that do it. But, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't uh, bother me, personally. Well,
0: have, have audiences changed over the years, do you feel?
1: we've all grown older. I mean, a lot of the people that have come to see me, cause I did three U S tours. I did a UK tour and then I did New Zealand and Australia. Um, a lot of them are people that are my age that, that come to the shows, but a lot of younger people as well because of the runaways movie, uh, the resurgence of fans from that. Um, but you know what? Uh, I mean, it's, I, I really can't tell you if they've changed much. Uh, I think uh, I think people, I mean, the younger people have changed an awful lot as far as respecting other people, so on and so forth. I mean, and I think that's social media and all that kind of thing. Uh, you know, when we were young, it was just all so magical. Uh, you know, we didn't get into politics and all that stuff when we were kids. We just enjoyed life. We enjoyed being able to watch, you know, five stations on, on the TV <laughs> and, you know, not have hundreds. Well, it's, I, just, it's just everything. Yeah, I'm just so glad I grew up back in those great times, you know, where Mayberry was like the coolest show on television. Well, <laughs> you yeah, know, or you, Lost in Space.
0: You know what fascinating? me? Yeah. You know it's
1: changed. I'm so glad. I mean, I've got a 28-year-old son, and uh, I can't even imagine growing up today. I, I I feel a little sorry for people that ha- that don't know what it was like when I was growing up in the sixties.
0: Well what fascinates me also is, you know, when we were growing up, if you're gonna meet your friends, they'd say, Hey, we're gonna be at this place at eleven thirty and you went there and they were always there. And now People text each other that they're gonna be somewhere, and they, they and they flake. That's what's that's what's crazy for me. That it was we always knew people would be there, and we couldn't depend on telling someone we're gonna be late or anything like that. That's what I loved about growing up in the era.
1: Oh yeah, I miss the phone calls. You know, the text. I hate the text, which is like the main way my son and I communicate. Unfortunately, is through text. We do talk to each other every few days, but i you know it's it's just uh i mean it's amazing that how far advanced we've become in to me what a very short period of time um you know uh, yeah I, I i understand what you're saying i i just to me it's it's a bit confusing and i and i feel bad because there's really
0: now, and uh yeah now now you st- when did you start playing music? Because you were at the Runaways at the age of 15. I know I read something that you were supposed to be on My Three Sons, but what what made you start to gravitate towards the entertainment business as, as a youngster? It
1: was one single concert. My very first concert at the Universal Amphitheater, and it was David Bowie's Diamond Dogs Tour. And um, I saw him come out on stage... And just, it was like the skies opened. Uh, I mean, I was a really shy surfer chick with long hair. and I just saw him and I, it just hit me like a bolt of lightning. And I said, that is what I want to do. And um, little did I know that within two years, I've already signed a record deal and was, you know, I'd never performed on a stage with anyone before. I mean, I'd sit with my dad on, you know, at my twin sister Marie and I on his knee, and we'd sing at the Kiwanis Club when we were kids, or to, you know, to, at a corn stand down on Balboa Boulevard in the San Fernando Valley. It used to be corn stands, and my dad would sit us up on a on the on the stand there, and we'd sing "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star." I mean, that's those are the memories I have. Uh, but of course, I grew up with Dean Martin and the, you know. Uh, because my dad sounded so much like Dean Martin. So we sang a lot of Dean Martin songs, it was just a really wonderful, you know, typical 60s, growing up in the San Fernando Valley
0: type of um, family. Now, how did you find, how did the Runaway, how did you find about auditioning for the Runaways? How did that happen? Because it must, as you said, you were shy. It must be very, you know, pressure filled because you're young and you're going for this audition, and it's, uh, did you know it was going to be an all-female band?
1: I was shy when I walked into the David Bowie concert, but I started this metamorphosis. Actually I, um, you know, I was raped when I was, uh, very young. When I was 14. Uh, just about ready to turn 15. Uh, my twin sister's boyfriend who was very much older than her, uh, was totally enamored with me because my twin sister had said that I was a virgin. I guess he had a fig for virgin, virgin, uh, virgins. So, um, that, that really threw me into a dark place, and I cut my hair off into a David Bowie type of a thing, and I was really acting out my anger and rage towards what had happened to me. So by the time uh, I was at the Sugar Shack one evening, and I had my shag haircut that I could spike up, you know, to look like David Bowie, I, I actually won a talent show pretending to be him on stage for 1984, <laughs> that song and uh, and I basically in school had started this whole club with the nerds Anyone that picked on these kids I would unleash holy hell on them I was so angry uh, and uh, I met Kim and Joan Jett at the uh, at, at the Sugar Shack which was an under 18 club you had to prove you were under I'm sorry under 21 club to get in and Kim had come in with Joan and uh, he was recruiting. Uh, people to audition for The Runaways, and of course I'd heard, I'd heard through Rodney Bingenheimer's show and all that, that, that there was this band, The Runaways, an all-girl teenage band, so I was very excited to to, to uh, audition, and I did, and uh, in fact, that's how Cherry Bomb was written, is, is I went to this to Carrie Chrome's garage, where they were auditioning me, and uh, I had learned Susie Cuatro's fever, Susie Cuatro's a version of Fever, which was more slow paced, but the girls kind of were a little upset about that. They wanted to rock out, so Kim and Joan walked into the house, and we waited about twenty minutes. And Kim had written this song, Cherry Bomb, for me, and uh, and that's what I auditioned to.
0: Now, how long do you know that you got the job as the singer?
1: I got, I got, I, you know, I was told right then. Uh, after I had auditioned, sang "Cherry Bomb" a few times, um, they made me sit outside. My my older sister Sandy, Cur- uh, Saundra Curry, was with me. Made me sit, and I think a half an hour later, they walked back into the garage and they said, uh, "Welcome to the Runaways."
0: Now, after you, they you know they hired you. Did you immediately go into the studio, or what was the pro- the whole process of recording your albums?
1: Well, we were rehearsing in a trailer, believe it or not, uh, like a mobile home empty trailer in uh, Studio City. And uh, Kim brought in uh, the president of Mercury Records. And I'll never forget, we we had been rehearsing for a couple of weeks, different songs, and I'll never forget... uh, him turning to Kim and nodding and we were offered a deal and so this is just like a couple weeks after I joined the band maybe four weeks because we had to get a bass player as well uh, that's where Jackie came in and uh, and so immediately that we got the deal we, we went in the studio and before we knew it we had our very first US tour which was months long I'd never been away from home and uh, it was you know it was it was uh, a whirlwind. I'll tell you that. Scary, but exciting at
0: the same time. Well, it's funny because you, you know you were so young. I mean, you know, most of us at that age are in high school. You know, maybe starting our first summer job. I mean, it, it must be a little bit overwhelming. But as you was, how were you touring? Was it? Was it? Were you in a bus? Were you in a van? I mean, how were you guys getting around? And were you getting along with the other? band members at that point because you were all young and i'm sure it was a lot of time all of your first time on the road what was that like
1: well our first tour we were all picked up in an old motor home uh which the guy our driver and roadie was doing cocaine the whole time driving we drove directly to cleveland that was like a four-day drive it was a little scary and I'll never forget as soon as uh, we got into the the Mojave Desert I'd never been away from my family before so I just got this horrible tinge of homesickness and and I and I thought oh my god I can't do this it was a real physical pain and and fear of being away for the I'd never been out of state you know what I mean and and Lita turned around and and I said, "Lita, Lita I'm I'm homesick. I don't think I could do this." And she goes, "I'm homesick too. But when I come back, I want to be somebody." And her saying that to me, it was like, "Boom, the switch." And I I never felt homesickness again until Europe. But uh, uh, yeah, we were we were gone for a long time and. Every time we thought we were going home, there was another show booked. So I think it was months we were on tour, that first tour. And my parents had a divorce, so my mom had remarried and moved to Indonesia with my brother. Uh, My sister and I were living with my aunt and my father and my grandmother in uh, Reseda in a three-bedroom house. So, I mean, I had a lot of support from my family, uh, my dad and my aunt and my grandmother. I felt very... Uh, supported, so that was really good, and they let me. They let me go, and you know, being a mother myself now, I don't know how that even happened because I know with my son, he was offered a tour at sixteen, and I said, only if I'm
0: coming with you. <laughs> the chaperone. <laughs> how would you like your? Yeah, it was
1: like, how would you like your no? Fast or slow? <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, how in that first tour, how did crowds? take to you guys? Because as I said, it, it was something different. You know, people weren't used to seeing an all female rock band. And, and unfortunately we live in a country that to this day, people don't accept certain things, which is very weird. But how did it, how did the crowds take to you?
1: Really great. From the, out the gate, it was fantastic. I mean, uh, the record had just. I mean, they pushed that record out quick. And we had a lot of support, uh, record stores, Peaches, uh, Tower. A lot of stores really rallied behind the record. And um, all I know is we left playing, you know, um, the Starwood. And when we came back, we were headlining the Santa Monica Civic Center uh, with – Cheap Trick opening up for us So that's a big span And I hadn't seen my family And I think it was at least three months And to come back And that's when I saw my family for the first time Was in the audience at the Santa Monica Civic So that's a big jump in a matter of months Now as and, a I, uh, oh,
0: Sorry, go ahead
1: yeah, no, no, I mean we had a, a, We had acquired a huge following Because we played every dive there was In every state in the United States and uh, and then we played some great shows too, uh, Cleveland and, and Detroit, Chicago, and uh, it was just people were obviously ready. The fans were ready for us. The critics, not so much. And the the bands that we were playing with, not Cheap Trick or Tom Tom Petty, they were very supportive. But a lot of the bands weren't ready for us either. That we who who we'd open for on tour. Um, but I think it was time for the change, you know? We were still a little bit ahead of our time, unfortunately. Uh, Kim went to his, you know, to his grave believing that had I stayed for one more record, that we, we would have had some major success. But that just wasn't in the cards.
0: Now, how are you growing as a lead singer? You know, you go, you leave, and you play in dive bars, and you come back. And you're playing the Santa Monica Civic Center. And, you know, people focus on the lead singer a lot. How did your showmanship up its game, or was it all just the same, just bigger crowds?
1: No, I mean, you know, Joan and I, Joan was very shy, too. Uh, Joan took on the Susie Quattro persona. I took on the David Bowie persona. And we kind of hid behind that act until we found out who we were which was a lot of work and a lot of shows um, and Kim had hired kenny ortega who uh... was the choreographer for the tubes wonderful guy of course huge uh... you know guy today big director wonderful wonderful guy that choreographed our shows uh... so every move basically was choreographed there was a lot of uh, costume changes things like that as well on the second u.s. tour which was right on the heels of our first u.s. tour and uh, it just it just modulated in a way that i didn't expect but by the time we hit the road the second time joan and i you know and everyone else was pretty comfortable with our roles and and you know um uh, we, we lived it, you know, we we got better. Anything you do, any practice, you get better, you get better, we got better. And so it's great.
0: Now, what was it like when you went to Europe?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, that was not my favorite tour. I was, I, I really hated the weather. The punk movement, now everybody was calling us punk in the USA, but... To be honest, we weren't even close to punk in In the UK. That was punk. I mean, I've never seen people with, you know, safety pins through their faces and the big mohawks, and uh, it just was frightening, and they would uh, throw things at us and spit, And all that kind of stuff was supposed to be, and and riot. They would riot. (laughs) And I really wanted to leave. There was never any sun the whole time we were there, and that was a a, a solid month plus. And I just really, uh, I was not, it was too much of a culture shock for me. And there was one time we played the Apollo Theater in Glasgow, and we ran out into our cars to escape, and they caught us. And they were trying to turn our car over and the driver gunned it and ran over a kid. So that was just a lot of, uh, you know, just trauma from that tour because we just was like being on another planet to me. Um, I did not want to go back. I'll tell you that much. And, And that also played quite a role when I quit because we were going back. And I I was still traumatized from our tour, (laughs) (laughs) from our first UK tour. So um, that also played a part in me quitting.
0: Now, why did you quit? I mean, was it that you wanted to go on a solo career at that point? Or were you just, well, besides in Europe? No, I
1: did not. No, we weren't getting along. And, you know, in Japan, which was one of our most successful tours, I loved Japan. I did not want to leave. I just loved it there. And, uh, Jackie, though, she had slit her wrists and she was, she'd lost it. She, she was flown home. We finished our Japan tour as a four piece. And, um, there was just, there was a lot of, of distrust in the band. No one was getting along and I just wasn't raised that way. And, uh, and then, you know, we were doing a photo session for, um, the next record, and uh, Barry Levine was the photographer, and and I'd showed up early. I was helping him set up shots and helping him pick backgrounds, so on and so forth, and for some reason, the girls thought I came in late, which of course is untrue, but I I knew I had to leave because my sister and I shared a car. We we just made no money in this band at all. People made a ton of money, but we just didn't, and uh, so I had to get home and the photo session was to be done at 6.30. Uh, Barry knew I had to leave to get the car to my sister so she could go out to class. And, and then he decided to throw a tantrum. He broke his camera on the floor when I was leaving. And Lita came and kicked the door in and threatened me and said, it's either us or your family. And that was enough for me. I just had enough. I, we didn't care about each other that much anymore. We never spoke. We weren't. We weren't communicating. And I just...
0: Uh, i said i quit and i walked out and that was it now do you just was... go, go ahead. ahead no i was gonna say do you think if you guys had started maybe three years later you know when if you were 18 or 19 do you think it would have made you more harmonious because you you weren't you were older then
1: I think it wouldn't have worked because, again, I mean, it was the Runaways. eighteen, 19, you're not Runaway anymore. Um, <clears throat> hence the, the, the name, the Runaways. Uh, I think, I mean, we, we definitely helped soften the business for bands like the Go-Go's and the Bangles and bands like that. But um, I think the problem was is that Kim Fowley had this idea in his head, and, of course, I cared for him the last... Uh, portion of his life when he was sick with cancer, he actually moved into my home and I cared for him. And, uh, uh, he just felt that if he kept us on edge, that we would be stronger performers. But, but so he would like put out little lies here and there just to keep us on edge with one another. And it, and he realized that that was just, you know, when you're that young, uh, you know, and the hormones are going, I mean, there's a lot of jealousy and there was a lot of just, um, it just it was, Can you imagine five teenage girls being thrown out on, on a stage in front of thousands of people? And, and, you know, if I was on a cover of a magazine, Lee would be upset. And, and it, was just, it was just a lot of jealousy. And it was just too much after a couple of years, you know? So uh, it just was what it was. We, we came out when we were supposed to come out. And uh, everything happens for a reason.
0: Now, you also, you then you went solo, but you started playing with your sister. Now, what was that like? Because you're twins, and twins think a lot alike.
1: Well, my sister believed she wanted to do this. I knew she didn't. Uh, I knew it was something that, and I had been doing it now for years, professionally. She was coming in completely green. Uh, It wasn't a good thing to do, but it was something I did, uh, it was a family decision, and uh, unfortunately it was the end of my career in in the business, but, you know, I mean, it was a mistake, but uh, you know, that's just what happens in life, but my sister, you know, she's a great gal, and uh, she still feels bad about it, and I hope that she, I wish she wouldn't, Uh, and anyway, um, then I, then you know I uh, I I got clean and sober and uh, became a drug counselor and wrote a book that what let, what spawned the the Rockaways movie. I got married to Robert Hayes uh, Airplane, and we had have a beautiful son. He's twenty eight years old now, and we divorced after seven years. And then I became a wood carver, and uh, now I'm making a record or made a record, and we're already writing for our second album with Bree. And you know I think I think. The most amazing thing about this project is, like I said, I wanted out. And I felt like, you know, I'd made a record with Matt Sorum for Blackheart, which they shelved for nine years, and I just was done. I was so upset and angry about that. I didn't understand why they did that. Um, Kenny was my manager, and it made no sense to me. And uh, so what this record proves to me is that there's always another chance. Right. You know, people that, that, that feel like their lives are over and that, that it's just done, and it's so not true. It, it, it's, it's false. All you have to do is just be open to change, and the change comes. It's pretty miraculous. And uh, I couldn't work with a better person than Bree because she's gone through the same things I've gone through with other female Uh, musicians she's such a team player as i am and uh we look after each other and we trust each other and we love what we do together we can't wait to get on stage because she even though she's a fantastic drummer she's a great front person you know there. all you got to do is look at a video of her and carly simon on stage um oh no it's not carly simon shoot it's uh Oh, Iconic gal and of course I just had you know when you get to be 59 you all of a sudden your brain goes blank um, but she's just a great front person so the thing is is that the majority of the show she'll be out front with me and then she gets to show off her great uh, drumming
0: now how is, so, how, how does, how is your writing yeah, st-
1: no, yeah, yeah, no it's Carole King if you look at a video with Carole King um, and Brie Darling actually it was Brie Howard at the time You'll see what a fantastic front person she is. She held her own with Carol King, and just blew my mind. So, uh, all, everything that she and I have ever wanted to do, we are going to make happen together. Now, and that is the blessing
0: of all this. Now, how does how has your writing style changed? What do you do? You have a focus for you know this. You know you did originals for this, and I don't know if you said you're going to work on the next album, which. I don't know if it'll be covers or originals, but how do you write these oh, no, days? It'll be, it'll be,
1: it'll be uh, uh, mostly
0: originals. Well, where do you find your writing from? I mean, from just your life experiences at this point, or where is, does it come from?
1: Always my life experience, and Brie as well. Uh, that's the only that's the only pool of of any kind of you know emotion that I can draw from. Is my life experience and how I feel. I, I wouldn't even know any other way.
0: Now, how is the tour? Do you have any dates set to tour, or or is or are you working on that now? Oh,
1: well, we just signed with TKO, great booking agent. Um, of course, this album came out late in the game, so uh, with Dave Schultz on tour with Berlin. And also, we've asked uh, Nick Mayberry, who has worked with me, worked on the Blackheart record on Boulevard of Splendor, and he toured with me uh, all four U.S. tours. I love him. He is exceptional. He's just off the map. Amazing guitar player. He's going to do our first show with us. Uh, And then he's on tour as well. So when they get back, you know, we'll go into rehearsal. We're going to rehearse while the two of them are gone, and then... uh, they're such professionals we only need a couple rehearsals to be ready to, to hit the road so uh right now we're just feeling it out we just signed with TKO so we've got we've got time to fine-tune this show because it's got to be great I mean I've got my ideas of I want to come out fire up the chainsaw <laughs> that's and, awesome uh, well yeah because I mean I I have we're having a box built by Roger Hallis who is just fantastic. I mean, this guy did all the jewelry for Aquaman, he's doing Aquaman too. he's been my dear friend for, gee whiz, almost 30 years, and he's building this box that almost looks like an old ship that's going to have all kinds of uh, light in it, and of course, we're going to have a wood plate, and I'm going to carve our names in cursive, I think in 30 seconds, with the lights shooting out of the box. Of course, we can only do that. Some places will not allow it. But um, while Bree is playing a great beat as the band starts. I mean, we just, we're just just going to utilize everything we've learned in our years on this planet into this show.
0: Well, pe- just fun stuff. People must be excited because if you go to um, Blue, uh, Blue Alon Records, your pre-order with the VIP meet and greet bundle is sold out. Yeah, I'm on the website right now, and you have the T-shirts and the pre-order of the limited edition single, and the pre-order of the of the VIP meet and greet bundle is sold out already. It has a blue sold out through it, so you got to be excited about that because people are digging this and they're getting excited.
1: Well, that is so neat, and you know, uh, I did not know that. Thanks for telling me. Uh, we are also going to make sure that anyone that buys a bundle, any place we tour. If they have done that that they get they get a free meet and greet with that ticket so uh, and, and a photo with Bree and I. So we want to extend that to anyone that um, that wants to be a part of a meet and greet wherever we play. So and we do plan to tour a lot.
0: That's awesome. now now do you plan to shoot any videos? I'm sorry? Do you plan to do any videos for your song? Because I mean, I know videos aren't as big as they used to be, but people still watch them, especially I'm 55. I'll watch a video of a band all the time. Do you guys plan to do videos well, you, at all? You're
1: talking. Well, are you talking about, well, well, we've got a video coming out for our next single, which is Do It Again, the King's song, Do It Again. We've got a video uh, of the recording and also um, uh, shooting the album cover, which the album cover is just getting so much... And people just love that cover. And uh, so that comes out here next month. And then, um, you know, all we want to do is concentrate on the show, not thinking about any live uh, videos as of yet. But that, of course, will come into play eventually, sure.
0: Well, I want to thank you for taking time to talk to me today, Sheree. Uh, very excited about the album, and I love the fact that we both call them albums, because I can't call it anything else. I can't call it a cassette. I can't call it a CD. I grew up with albums, so I call them albums. But, uh, now yeah, you, me too, Cooper, and it's just been just a pleasure to talk to you. And you have a great day, and you're on Facebook at Sheree Curry, uh, Curry Official. Are you on Twitter at all?
1: You know what, I do have a Twitter account, but it's not official. And, you know, I just really, I don't know why, I don't even have an Instagram
0: or anything like that. I guess i got to get with the time. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're on the road, you got to do that, because people Picking love and seeing road.
1: screaming, right, Cooper? kicking and screaming into the time. Into
0: the <laughs> exactly. Well, I want to thank you, people. So please go check out Cherie. Check out our new album. You're going to love it. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, and take your vitamins. And I'll talk to you guys next time.